Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking about global banking issues today, and I'm privileged to be speaking with Vishal Salvi, the CISO with HDFC Bank in India. Mr. Salvi, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. What Thanks can, for having me here. Very good. What can you tell us about your institution and your role there as CISO? My, my role in the bank is to drive the information security uh, strategy, uh, security policy, uh, manage the team of risk managers, uh, uh, ensure that we have a, a proper risk management framework in place for looking at information security issues, uh, a high-level program management of all InfoSec initiatives, uh, and driving the security agenda for pretty much forward in the bank. Now, as I understand it, HDFC Bank isn't a very old institution. Is that correct? It's only about 14, 15 years old? That's right. Uh, we are a, a, one of the largest banks in India, private sector banks in India. Uh, fairly new, uh, you know, from a history of the banking in the country is concerned. Uh, but we have, uh, you know, assumed the role of a very uh, important role of in the private sector. We are, I think, the, uh, you know, highest number of branch network, uh, as far as the private sector branch uh, network in India is concerned, having more than 1,400 branches, uh, over 3,000 uh, ADMs. Uh, you know, so that's really the profile that uh, we have in the bank here. What do you find to be your greatest security and risk management concerns today at the bank? Uh, in the field of banking, uh, one of the key areas and uh, you know thing which is important for us to is to ensure that we have the customer's trust uh, because the customer's trust with its funds uh, uh, into the bank, and so we need to ensure that we have the highest degree of um, uh, confidence that you know they have in terms of uh, keeping the money as well as in terms of the different channels that they use while banking with us. So. Um, you know, there are obviously, uh, you know, different threats and different uh, uh, risks that surround us uh, when we look at online banking and uh, overall everything is now electronic and everything is now online and the money is stored electronically. You need to ensure that you have the, the integrity, uh, the confidentiality and uh, obviously the availability of the data and information available for the customers. So uh, we, we pretty much work on the the three uh, pillars of uh, information security, but, you know, underlying that, we, it's more important to make sure that all these channels um, are having the right robust infrastructure in place uh, from a security point of view to be able to address the new and growing uh, threats uh, which surrounds uh, the banking industry in particular, but generally uh, all industries as a whole. Now, do your customers do a lot of mobile banking as well as online banking? Uh, the, the scenario as far as the mobile banking in India is concerned is just picking up. Uh, it is not yet uh, a channel which which we can say is a, you know a, a more production channel. It is it is something which uh, it just um, we are beginning to see some usage there. Uh, whereas if you look at online banking, it's been around for uh, a few years now. In that five to six years, there has been a tremendous growth in the um, users uh, of online banking is concerned. Having said that, India is still a relatively um, untapped market primarily because 
which did have uh, 5% penetration in terms of the internet users in India, uh, whereas we are already number 4 in terms of the total uh, internet users in the world. So uh, there is a lot of, lot of opportunity and potential for online growth uh, and uh, obviously mobile banking as well. I, I guess uh, it, will, it will be largely, uh, in the next one or two years, it will be largely focused more on online, uh, online banking while the mobile uh, channel picks up over a period of time. I understand. Now, in the United States, uh, the threats that we talk about a lot are fraud from the outside and then the internal insider threat. What do you find to be the greatest security threats now to your institutions? You know, the notion of uh, putting a percentage on the insider and the outsider threats are, you know, something which, you know, we keep getting different figures and statistics on uh, what the percentage is like. You know, I've seen some reports which talk about 70% of threats being insider and 30% being from outside. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, my take on this is that you know if, if there are if you look at the, the trends and the the threats and the you know the recent disclosures which have happened for insider frauds, they have been largely focused on the process side more and less on the actual compromise of uh, of existing vulnerability from a technical point of view. So you know um, uh, my view is that you know you one needs to work at a strategy which which focus on both. Uh, your internal controls as well as the external controls. I think uh, uh, if you see the external world, we, we are having more and uh, you know exponential increase of the crimeware which has been written, uh, exponential increase in terms of the number of online uh, frauds which are happening, uh, you know, and uh, the criminalization of uh, uh, the frauds which is which is taking place. So I think I think uh, you know one needs to be focused on both areas equally. Uh, you know, so that uh, you are able to tackle both these issues at the same time, uh, rather than you know start worrying about one aspect on the other. And having uh, having explained to you the the issues pertaining to um, the insider threats uh, being more process driven than uh, more you know technology issues which are being uh, you know exploited. I think one needs to focus more on both the areas before you know we make any um, uh, progress on you know remediation of uh, these risks. So it doesn't sound like your threat landscape is really any different than what the institutions see here in the U.S. Well, absolutely. I think uh, the only thing I would say is that, you know, the threat landscape uh, is changing rapidly. I would say that it follows uh, the penetration in terms of the usage. So, you know, uh, you know that in U.S. Uh, you would have 85% of penetration as far as Internet usage is concerned. So obviously you'll have you know, the, the, based on the percentage increase, you will have that much more likelihood of a fraud hack happening. Whereas if you look at India, 5% penetration of online users. So accordingly, the the the, the weighted you know exposure uh, becomes that much more lesser. You know, so it it, it obviously follows the the, the money and uh, where the actual transactions are. So as we see more and more increase. And we are seeing a huge amount of growth in Indian market as far as online banking is concerned. We will see more and more increase in uh, the threat change in the threat landscape. Now, as you know, you can, as a bank, you can educate your customers, but they have to take certain steps to protect themselves. With your online customers, how well are they protecting themselves from the threats that you see in the in the marketplace? We we continuously uh, keep our customers. Uh, informed and we keep sending them uh, awareness messages 
we have posters stuck out on our branches and our ADMs. We have uh, tied up with uh, the, the other government agencies to, you know, have an awareness campaign on anti-phishing and anti-fraud, uh, on, you know, related to online banking. So we, we do, uh, 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 we put a lot of effort in making sure that, you know, the message reaches as many customers as possible. Having said that, you know, uh, one cannot just rely on an awareness uh, strategy to be able to counter, uh, uh, you know, this issue because you can't assume that all customers are aware and will not fall prey to such uh, fraudulent activities like phishing and uh, Trojan attacks. So uh, we have uh, also have a separate strategy of having a multi-factor authentication solution which is, uh, you know, helping our, uh, which is actually sitting enveloping all our net banking uh, solutions to be able to actually protect our customers, uh, you know, from uh, falling prey to uh, such attacks. So I think it's a, it's a combination of both. We need to give uh, sort of countermeasures in terms of technical control so that, you know, we make it error-proof and fraud-proof for the customers. And at the same time, you also have uh, a continuous awareness campaign for people not to fall prey to as victims or as money mules. Now, are these measures just measures that you take as your own responsibility at the bank, or are they mandated by your regulator? Um, the, the, the regulator plays a very active role in uh, looking at what all the banks are doing uh, as far as uh, uh, these uh, countermeasures are concerned. Uh, you know, there are uh, obviously certain banks who are uh, who are doing more than others. But I think the regulator keeps on uh, looking at uh, what what's happening, what, what getting the visibility of the fraud, and accordingly suggesting specific actions to be taken by uh, certain banks more than others. Um, so I would say they they're, pay, they're playing a very active role uh, in the overall process of uh, you know fraud management by the banks, uh, whether it is online banking or it, it is. Uh, any other uh, issue that pertains to a bank, uh, and RBI is actually fairly proactive regulator as far as that is concerned. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, banks are also, like, banks like us are proactive enough to not just go by what regulators are asking us to do, but doing more to make sure that we are proactive enough to be able to, uh, you know, predict how the trends are moving and then accordingly take uh, necessary steps on in terms of countermeasures to be able to safeguard our customers' uh, interests. Very good. How frequently are you examined by your regulator? Is it annually? On a minimum, it is an annual uh, audit which is done by the Reserve Bank of India for, for us. It's, it's a statutory audit which they they come and in-house and they sit and it's a fairly long uh, elaborate process where they look at each and every aspects of the banking uh, uh, and, you know, uh, do their assessment. Very similar to here, then. Now, how have the Indian banking institutions been affected by the global recession, which we've seen take such effect here in the U.S.? If you look at it from a purely from an Indian perspective, uh, what is, I mean, few of the things. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a banker by by design because I'm a technologist. But having said that, you know, being working in a bank for so long, uh, one gets to know what's happening and some of the things that I've heard and I've learned in this last uh, six to one year is that uh, I think one of the key things which has happened is that uh, because of the global recession, uh, the the liquidity 
uh, which was uh, available, uh, the global liquidity which was available for uh, Indian Indian uh, consumers uh, from external markets have dried up, and as a as a result of that, there is a strain on the Indian banks uh, to actually be able to provide uh, for for that uh, crunch. So that's one. So as a result, you know, the Indian banks are actually going through that. Uh, additional and as a result, there is a perception that there is a credit crunch at the Indian bank. Whereas it's not the case. The Indian banking credit has been growing at a very healthy rate of 24 percent, and that continues to happen even now. So uh, that is one aspect. The second aspect is that there has been no impact of uh, the um, you know the changes uh, you know and uh, some of the uh, impact that we have seen in the U.S. banks. Uh, having any impact to the Indian Indian banking system, which remains robust and uh, has a very uh, very healthy uh, you know NPA uh, and net NPA rate, which is around uh, gross at around two percent and net around one percent, which is also good. So uh, I I would say that what's happening is that because of the overall uh, uh, you know sentiments and uh, uh, the the uh, the current mood in the market and the the changes which have happened, I think, I think there has been a rippling effect in terms of the overall mood, to, uh, and as a, as a result, we are seeing, um, you know, the the growth percentage drop from eight percent to seven percent this year, and possibly will be around something around five to six percent next year, which is still a which is still a growth. So India is not going to be in a recession mode. Uh, obviously, the growth numbers will be lesser, um, you know, compared to what they were projected before the the recession, global recession started. Um, that, that's what I would say. I mean, there are some other elements to it, but you know, if you look at it purely from uh, the job that I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't think there is any change because we are largely a support function driving it. Uh, the different projects that we are doing in the bank, uh, they remain unchanged. They remain focused on what we wanted to do, and because they are focused on risk reduction, I don't think in this situation we want anything to do with uh, you know increased risk. So you know, the, the work that we do continues without any any change. Uh, so. Very good. Now you talked about customer trust earlier. Has that been impacted at all by the recession, or it, it sounds like perhaps not that the banking institutions really haven't been affected as deeply as the American ones have? So if you look at if you look at it purely from our bank perspective, you know we've been having uh, since the time we were born till now we've been having a consistent growth of forty percent, and last quarter we posted a you know growth of forty five percent. So I don't think there has been any 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 direct impact right now on what's happening to the uh, in, in terms of the mood of the customer to the, the kind of growth that we have been seeing in past, and we expect to grow with the same uh, number primarily because we've been a very conservative bank right from the beginning, uh, and as a result we we've been focusing more on the pure banking than you know the the, the different products. So um, uh, you know we have kind of you know in the current situation with the markets going down. We're kind of in a sweet spot because a lot of people actually moved to the banking industry and started depositing more money there, which is really where we were actually, uh, which is where our bank is focused on, which is on low-cost deposits. So um, I think um, overall there has not been any major impact, uh, you know, in terms of um, uh, you know the, the bank's growth and the, the way the products are positioned. Uh, there would be certain portfolios which will not do well in the current scenario like private banking uh, because of uh, you know the markets and any any pro uh, products which are linked to the markets or real estate but you know because there were certain controls which were already in place with the reserve bank of india you know 
on the real estate market and you know what we want what one could do with those portfolios uh, i don't think we are seeing any major exposure or any major issues coming out of that that's good now one of the things we've seen with scandals like bernard madoff and with aig is that the american people have become more suspicious of financial services in particular I mean, and they're asking for more regulatory oversight and, and more uh, accountability. Have you found in India that as a result of, of a scandal like Satyam, that the Indian people have, have asked for the same accountability and the same higher level of scrutiny? One has to wait and see what were the actual uh, control failures when it comes to a case like Satyam, right? Uh, and uh, you know, I don't think it will be appropriate for me to even make pass a judgment on what what failed and what has uh, what has been the identified issue out of that. Nor do I have any visibility of what are the implications to the banks or the financial systems in India because of that. So I think it will be inappropriate for me to really make a comment on that, primarily because of my lack of visibility towards that issue from a, from my position in the bank. Uh, you know, and also for my lack of knowledge in terms of making a, a very generic statement as well. Well, the, the, let's come back to security and risk management. We've talked about some of the, the challenges and the, the issues that you're working on. From your perspective, were you to encounter another a banking and security leader struggling with some of the same challenges, what advice would you give to them? Well, I think uh, if you look at uh, a security management role, uh, I would say it's, it's something which is, which is ongoing. One needs to look at it purely from a point of view of uh, how you improve the game as you go along, how you build the maturity of an organization as you go along. It's not a point solution where you do something and that's it, and you know it's not an open and shut case. But there are always certain things which you uh, which you uh, will have to concede for the better, uh, you know, for the better of future in terms of what we want to actually achieve. Uh, what I meant is that you need to let go certain things. You may you may lose certain patterns, but you, you, you need to remember that you are actually having a war. Um, and uh, another important aspect is to recognize that this is a, actually a change management role. You are trying to influence people to change their attitude. You want to change their approach and uh, you want to change their mindset in terms of looking at security as an issue. And your role is largely a change catalyst to drive that and bring about that change. So long as you are successful in making, in planting these ideas, in planting these thought processes in, in the stakeholders who matter, and the stakeholders who actually make those decisions, I think you've done a, done your job. And you know, um, you need to have a strategy which is going across at least the horizon of three years. Uh, you need to start everything with with risk as your core, uh, and you know, not really try certain certain things just because the technology sounds good. Don't don't find solutions for problems that you don't have, uh, but you know just focus on the problems you have and try and work a solution which may not look flashy but something which is more effective. So I would say these are key elements of driving uh, a risk management and a security management framework in any organization. And that would be my advice to my fellow peers. Apart from saying that one should interact with each other and share best practices so that you don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, and you know, you learn from each other's experience, and you know that is much more productive in the longer run in terms of driving uh, whether it's a project implementation or just an idea. That's very well said. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. Pleasure, pleasure talking to you, Tom. We've been talking with Vishal Salvi, CISO with HDFC Bank in India. 
For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.